the Surratt Brothers Podcast, a conversation about church, sports, current events, and mostly church. Today we dive into the fact that there are actually three Surratt Brothers. Who knew? Is President's Day an actual holiday? What's up with the He Gets Us commercial? And how old is too old to be a pastor? And now, join me and my brothers Jeff and Greg for today's episode. Yeah, we're recording now. So, Chris, it looks like... uh... Looks like Greg may be joining us from his car. Yeah, well, we get him when we can, I guess. I mean, he's he's Greg Surratt, so you know you you can't really pick choose and pick your time. He he chooses it for you. So, Greg, are you okay there? Are you able to talk and drive? You know, I uh, I'm so glad that you finally know um, my status. Yeah. Uh, you guys have been denying that for years. Right. This is, um, but, this, uh, this is super awkward. So Chris, you didn't talk to him. I, I didn't No, oh, I did not gosh. invite him in. Well, I thought you did. I thought, yeah, I thought you were going to tell him about like, it's the Surratt brothers, mine, not, but not him. Like I, you'd said you were going to talk to him. So you never did. Well, a lot of people have been, a lot of people have been making sure it doesn't include him. I saw the, the advertisements on Facebook you know, there were probably three or four likes that you guys got yeah. on that, that you were right. having a podcast right. and you were calling it the Surratt brothers. Right. And, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just went to my fingers to kind of count. Uh, and I, I thought there were three Surratt brothers. Right. Um, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah. And, uh, so well, I've not so- heard or anything. I just am uh, a little confused by the whole thing. Some people ask which of the Surratt brothers, and I said, "Really, kind of a it's kind of a best of is kind of what we're doing." Go ahead. I, I was going to say that the gene pool kind of diminished as it as it went down, but you know, I, whatever. It's it's all in the eyes of the beholder, I guess. Well, I was going to say I didn't realize that I, that there was a third until literally I was about seven years old, and. Uh, that's my, a good point. Uh, my my parents, which I assume are your parents too, although that's still a debatable point, but they said we're going to go uh, see your brother Greg for Christmas, and I went. No, you met brother my brother Jeff, and they were no. You have another brother, and he lives in Charleston, or I, actually, you lived in Illinois at the time. And I said, okay, well, that'll be interesting. I haven't met him yet, and yeah, uh, yeah that was about when I was seven. Strong point. Strong point. Yeah. I'm in a family. It's an interesting family. So there's actually four of us. We have a sister also, but she, for good reasons, doesn't like to hang out with us. But anyway, um, yeah, so I'm in a family of four, right? And in the family of four, there are two only children. So there's Greg, the only child, the oldest, and Chris, the only child, the youngest. And then me and Dee are are the middle kids. And so it's kind of an interesting dynamic. So that's a good point, Chris. There's ever only been two Surratt brothers at a time. Right. Yeah. So that makes total sense. He was, he was kind of an afterthought. He was like 16 and a half years younger than me. And I moved out of the house before he knew how to talk. And yeah, so that's true. Uh, that's, is that how, is that how you put it that you moved out of the house? Is that, is that the way you, you say? Well, actually the house left me. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> we did that twice. We did that twice. I think one time our sister went to camp and she came home and we had moved. Um, and then we I did graduated. That. I graduated from high school, uh, went to Chicago with my band, mm-hmm. played six weeks, came home and there was another family living in the house. Yeah. We, so we, that's what, that's what I knew. I, I feel bad, Greg. We really did mean to let you know, but you found us like, like you, you showed up like it was months later, but you showed up. Hey, Chris, I think you're supposed to leading, lead this episode. You want to, you want to like start the episode or what? Are, yeah, what are you it was kind of hijacked there by uh, okay. Greg's rude entrance, but yeah, I think we, uh, Welcome to the Surratt Brothers uh, podcast. Uh, we are so glad that you're joining us today. And uh, we do have uh, three brothers on the, on the podcast, as, we, as we've mentioned, uh, Jeff and Greg and myself. And uh, what I would like to know off the top is uh, this Monday, as of this recording, is a huge, huge holiday. I, I'm sure everybody celebrates it, and uh, I will be celebrating it, but it's President's Day. And so I'd like to know from you guys how you plan to uh, celebrate President's Day. And I, I think this is the mattress buying holiday 
right? If I, am I correct on that one? No, that's Labor Day. But um, yeah, Greg, how are you celebrating President's Day? Probably the way I've celebrated it for years. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it was President's Day. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It It's not a holiday. Like, it's nobody's birthday. Like, I think they merged two presidents into one. And it, it makes no sense. My grandkids have Friday and Monday off to celebrate the birthdays of anonymous presidents. I don't even like some of the presidents. Like, in fact, I thought it'd be a great, let's just go through all the presidents we don't like. Now let's probably not. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the president's birthdays that was merged here is Lincoln's, right? Wasn't it, right. Wasn't it Lincoln? And yeah. we, as we pointed out in, in session one, I think we, we tried to kill Lincoln. That's true. Our family. Yeah. No, true. we didn't try. We, we got the job done actually. That's true. Well, we, yeah. Yeah, it were depending on what you, how much you think we get credit, but or blame, but yeah, it worked. Um, so hey, one of my one of my kids had a great idea. Why don't they move? Nobody cares about President's Day. Maybe you're right, Chris. Maybe it's Mattress Day. I don't remember. But what if we moved President's Day to the Monday after the Super Bowl? And that way you get the day off, but there's a reason because you're, you're tired from watching the Super Bowl. And then, oh, hey, yay, presidents. Like, what do you, I, what do you think about that? I, th- I think it's an idea that works. Um, the, I was trying to think about if Hallmark invented this holiday too, but I don't know that there's any happy President's Day cards or anything no. like that. So I, I'm not exactly sure why we, why we do this, but the Super Bowl um, would make it worth it. Hey, yeah. Do you guys, do you guys, just a thought, do you guys talk about anything of substance on this podcast or just no. things like President's Day? No, that's no, it. really not much. We got a couple of things maybe later we'll talk about, but we're kind of hoping you won't be able to hang around. But if you are, we'll bring it up with you too. That would be good. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to hear from him occasionally. But, it it, but kind of off of that Super Bowl, uh, it just happened. We've talked every single episode, our thoughts on the Super Bowl. And I think we're in real time at this point, so it might make more sense uh, to our listening audience. But uh, the uh, the Chiefs pulled out an overtime win against the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, it, was, it was a good game. I will say that. I uh, was not exactly pulling for the Chiefs, only because... They have won like the last two out of four or something like that. And now they're back to back champions, which is, is kind of boring. But, um, I, 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 I don't know if you guys saw it, but Travis Kelsey, um, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, uh, was caught yelling and screaming at his coach during the first half, almost knocked the guy down. So basically took down an elderly guy. Oh, yeah. Big, big deal there. So now, you know, we've talked a lot about Travis and, and Taylor, but do you feel like Travis is too dangerous for Taylor? That that's a, that's a red flag of temper issues that she might want to, might want to walk away from. Well, as all of our listeners know, I couldn't possibly care less. Um, but I'm sure Greg's a big Swifty. So, um, hey, Greg, as you're thinking about that, Andy Reid's like same age you are, right? Like this is like shoving an old man around like that is that's cold. Andy Reid is a very smart old man and uh, it's not really an old man. The, the, the closer you get to Andy's age, it's the, the younger it seems. Oh, OK, me. I got gotcha. you. So as I saw, far as Taylor oh, Swift. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was for San Francisco because of Taylor Swift and the fact that I've always hated Kansas City because of right. the Broncos. Right. Yeah. Yep. Good call. Hey, I did see a leadership lesson here. See if you guys agree with me. So I'm watching real time. Kelsey is shoves Andy Reid and screaming at him on the sidelines. You know, the game is it's pivotal time of the game. Very, very close game. So I'm saying to my, my people I'm watching with my family. I'm saying, man, if I'm Andy Reid, man, I'm sitting his butt down. He's not coming back in for a while. I'm not putting up with that kind of garbage. And what Andy Reid did is he didn't change a thing about his uh, his game plan, the way he coached, anything. And I thought that was a really good leadership moment. He did not let Travis Kelsey. He Andy Reid had more important things to do than to deal with Travis Kelsey's anger problems. Um, I was impressed. I was actually really, I don't like, I hate Kansas city. I mean, as I've said before, contractually obligated to hate Kansas city, but um, yeah, I was impressed with Andy Reid. I was impressed with the way he just, it didn't, it didn't impact him. And after the game, he's like, 
Yeah, he kind of caught me off guard. Usually, usually I'm able to not fall like that. Like I thought, really strong leadership. Yeah, you know, I was thinking just as you were talking about that. That's probably not his first rodeo with Travis Kelsey, <laughs> and yeah. um, uh, it just happened to be the first one that got caught on TV in a Super Bowl. And um, leadership wise, yeah, a good leader. Uh, knows the team, uh, knows the strengths, weaknesses, uh, knows how to re- uh, react or uh, is that the right thing? Or respond, not react mm-hmm. uh, to situations. And so, yeah, I, th- I think, uh, you know, he, he's a, if you uh, listen to Travis Kelsey later, uh, he said that Andy Reid is one of the, greatest leaders he's ever played for. Of course, I guess he needs to say that after getting caught with that whole thing. But I, I think it's true. I, I think it's probably true that uh, Kelsey's uh, uh, just a very excitable, very uh, upfront kind of a guy. That's how he plays. That's how he lives his life. But it probably wasn't a surprise to Andy Reid. And Andy Reid handled it well. Yeah. I'm I sorry. remember at least one occasion when I was in Jeff's office when we were all working together and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yelling and screaming at you. Um, but I, I don't know that I would call you like the best leader of, of people. I don't you know were, that I would go there, but I do remember the screaming. You were yelling and screaming at me or I was screaming at you. And th- this occasion I was screaming at you. You no. have screamed at me many, many times through life, but this sure. was, uh, yeah, sure. but this was in an, an office situation. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. It was deep, deeply impactful moment for me. I and mean, I'm sure yep. it happened. I'm sure it happened. Um, I, yep could not possibly pull a memory out of that, but yeah. So did we answer your question about Taylor Swift that neither one of us, I, I don't care. And Greg so dislikes her. He cheered for the other team. Um, yeah, I think that's uh that sums it up pretty much. I care. You a know, lot. what's interesting. What's interesting is uh, my wife, Debbie suddenly became a Kansas city fan. Oh, Lord. And I wonder how many of those there are uh, in America. Well, did you see uh, the ratings were the highest of, I think, maybe all Super Bowls? No, no, no. It was the highest broadcast in the history of television. History of, of television. Of, you think that only, was a Taylor? The effect. only thing that came close was the moonwalk in 69, which Chris remembers well. But no, That didn't happen. Yeah. No, I know it didn't, but we all watched something. But yeah, it was the biggest broadcast. over two Altogether, over 200 million people tuned into some of the... Super Bowl. Yeah, I would say Taylor had a little to, little to do with that. Yeah. So getting on to something else about Super Bowl, it's actually going to lead to a conversation that probably matters to people. But the ads, that's always a big part of. Wait, Super Bowl. before we go there, do we care if it matters? Yeah, we do. We do. We love our audience. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, the two, the two that listen. Yeah, yeah we love both them. of them. They're great. Both people. of them. Yep. Um, so favorite ad. Uh, just off the top, I would say mine. I I liked several of them, but uh, my favorite was the Duncan ads with uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and uh, Tom Brady. I just thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, just yeah, that was my favorite ad. What about you, Jeff? What was your favorite? Well, let me ask Greg a question because I have a feeling he's in the same boat I am. Those ads, Greg, where they have all the different celebrities in them, I don't know who any of those people are. Like they'll have all these famous people. I recognize Ben Affleck in that ad and Matt Damon and I, and people are like, Oh my gosh, did you see so? And I'm like, I one who, do you have that problem too? Like you don't know who all oh, the yeah. celebrities are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know anybody. Yeah. It's called old man disease. I think. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Yeah. So my favorite ad, I like the Christopher Walken ad for BMW where they all were doing impressions of Christian Christopher Walken. And he was like, just, didn't paid no attention. The thing about it though, it was that my, my son pointed it out. We both liked the ad and then neither one of us had a clue what it was an ad for. I had to go back and look up and it was for BMW. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But it was a fun ad. I liked it. I had the same thought. Yep. What about you, Greg? What'd you like? You know, uh, sad to say, uh, I would had a Super Bowl party at the retreat center for all our staff and, uh, family and friends. And, uh, I didn't see any of the ads. Mm. Um, I, I saw the, interestingly, the only ad I actually saw 
any of was the He Gets Us uh, mm. ad, which I saw about half of it, but that's, I didn't see any of the rest of them. Yeah, well, that's well, where, I, well, I know we're going to go. This conversation's leading up. Yeah, I just want to say full confession. I had all my grandkids over, Greg, and you know exactly how that is. So I didn't yep. see or hear any ads. I went back later and watched the, watched the ads that I wanted yeah, to see because I, I, I couldn't. I they I have a four year old, a six year old, an eleven year old, and a thirteen year old, and, and the two youngest are boys. So I heard nothing the entire night, but laughing and screaming. But yeah, so Chris, I, you 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 mentioned yeah, I, where we wanted to go. Yeah, well, I ended up watching it by myself because my family decided to go to the beach instead of watching the Super Bowl. But I did sleep through a good portion of it, so I did have to go back and watch some of these ads. But yeah, you brought up, Greg, the He Gets Us ad. And I don't know any ad that has probably taken more shots from every side of the political and religious spectrum than than these these ads. I was just... David French wrote an article this morning. I read it just about the he gets us. And he pointed out that um, the the left political left hates it, uh, hates the whole thing because it's funded by Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby. So they see it as a as a fundamental far right kind of uh, Christian thing. And then the far right uh, religious people don't like it because it uh, it paints a picture of Jesus that they're they don't love. Um, you know, it's it's more grace than it is truth. And so they feel like, you know, it, it's wrong that direction. And then you also have people that, that hate them because they spend, what, seven million dollars on it that could be spent on other things like food for the hungry and, and, and I don't know where you guys fall on this, but I, I do, I do. It troubles me a little bit on the, the amount of money spent on that. And so my question is, do you guys think that it's effective? Is it a good thing? Is it something that probably should go away or, um, you know, where, where do you fall on that? He gets us. We're talking about it. That's true. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. I was thinking about that today, Greg. I, I have opinions, obviously. I have opinions about everything, but I was thinking about the fact that the a good percentage of Americans are talking about the he gets us ad more than they are any other ad. And that like it or hate it, the at the end of the day, the he gets us thing is about Jesus. So Jesus is in the conversation in twenty twenty four. I don't know, you know, what do you think, Greg? You have other you have thoughts about it? <laughs> you know, one of the reasons I'm glad that this is two of the three Surratt brothers is because, and I thought about this, is because you guys are going to be able to say some things that would probably get me in trouble. And I I think some of the same things, and even talking about this ad, so I'm going to go ahead and, and, uh, and, and say what I think a little bit. I didn't see the whole thing. I saw part of it. Um, uh, when I see pastors losing their mind on social media about this, it's just like, are you kidding me? That's just kind of where I'm from. And uh, uh, I, I know a little bit about some of the people involved. They're good people. I think their hearts are in the right place. Um, I don't think anybody's trying to take the gospel woke. You know, I, I don't think any of that stuff. But uh, just I guess that's the culture we live in is that uh, you you we someone said one time that see if I can remember how it was said that one mark of maturity is being able to hold two diverse opinions in your mind at the same time without going crazy. And uh, uh, if that's the definition of maturity, we're sure not very mature these days. Yeah. Yeah. The question I had on this, would it have been a little bit of a different reaction if the symbolism, and, and if you haven't seen the ad, I guess we, we should describe it a little bit. It is um, people in, from opposites uh, spectrum of life washing the other's feet. And so you've got um, an African-American washing a cop's feet. You have uh, someone washing a, a pretty obvious gay person's feet, a priest washing, you have someone washing a, a lady's feet at a, an abortion clinic. So really the idea behind it is loving people who are nothing like you, doesn't don't believe like you. And my question on this is, would it be a different reaction if it wasn't washing feet? 
if it had been, you know, serving them in some way, uh, tangibly, like giving them some food or, uh, whatever, but you take this symbolism of washing feet, which is equated to what Jesus did with his disciples. And, um, I don't know, I think some of the controversy may have not been as big if we hadn't had something like that, a religious symbol of washing feet. Ah, just a, you know, cause the idea of loving your neighbor is, I don't think anybody would say that's a bad thing. Um, but it's almost like, well, whoa, that's going too far. They have to believe before they can get their feet washed. I don't know, Chris. I, I, uh, I like to make fun of um, politics on both sides of the aisle. And um, I remember, I think it was when uh, Donald Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. And I think I did a message then on uh, the same subject on Jesus, the the good Samaritan. Okay. Who is my neighbor? Right. And uh, taught the message. I came out of the end and I said, you know, Jesus made this stuff up, right? This isn't a real story. He, he made it up and he made the heroes, whoever he wanted them to be. And if you would have lived in the time, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan with the people that Jesus was talking to. And so he rattled their cage and he made up the hero. And so I suggested that if Jesus was telling that story today, if it was a Republican group that he was telling it to, he would have made the hero of the story, Nancy Pelosi, who was, you know, that was everybody's poster child for um, bad if you're on the right. And if he was in a Democratic uh, room, he would have made the hero Donald Trump. (laughs) I don't know if he would have. I can't speak for Jesus, but I do know this that he loved to rattle stereotypes. And um, so I, I don't know if you did it, you know, any other way that it would have had any different effect. You just had different people that you don't see together, yeah. uh, you know, in a commercial. Yeah. I think there was some intentionality in, in rattling cages in, in, in the commercial. Obviously I've wondered, Greg, and I, this is going down a road. We can't go down today, but if Jesus would have told it today, would he have said, talked about the good Palestinian? And in some circles, that would just be unbelievably controversial. And so I think at the time he was saying the most controversial thing there. Um, You know, I I don't, I have a lot of thoughts around it. I think you summed it up well at the beginning, Greg, we're, it's three to four days after the Super Bowl when we're recording this and we're still talking about an ad about Jesus, um, which there's got to be something positive to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Greg, you, usually Chris and I love dropping names when you're not here, but um, since you're here, we won't drop names. But uh, we have a mutual acquaintance who's very, very involved in the, He gets us peace. And right. here, here's what I do know is this particular individual is runs circles around me theologically there is depth of knowledge of theology and he and I don't agree on every theological point there's absolutely definitely but when people start attacking this ad or attacking the people behind it as they they don't know anything about theology and they're obviously um not Christians and some of those that's like that you talked about it at the beginning there's no upside to that in 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 doing that on social media and demonizing the things that we don't agree with. And Hey, oh, there is a, there is an upside, Jeff. It's called yeah. clicks. You're right. You're right. right. But I, I just, I, and, and Chris, you said, you know, spending the money and all of that. I don't know. I do know. I, and I know that I don't know this from inside information. I know it from a, a news, uh, an article I read and they estimated the greens worth at 15, as a family at $15 billion. And they're not the only family behind this. So we won't go into all of that, but they're not. But if you take $7 million out of $15 billion um, in that economy, it's not a lot of money. I did see something. I probably should bring this up. I th- I love this comment. Somebody was making that, that, that point online, Chris, of, of, couldn't this money been, you know, given instead to help feed people? And someone with no context responded, it could have been sold to feed the poor. And I thought, 
It's <laughs> just such a great, and if you're not a biblical scholar, yeah. go go look that quote up and who that quote, uh, who said that originally. It's let's yes. just say that's a two thousand year old quote. So yeah, I mean, it's if, a great, that's a great point though. Right. If you took the inflation of what that original perfume costs, you know, and it oh, absolutely equates pretty close to what a Super Bowl ad might yeah. cost right now. Absolutely, so it's, does. it's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So we need to we need to move on before uh, two of us get fired. One of us can't get fired by anybody because you know he's the guy. But two of us could get fired. Um, you mentioned Nancy Pelosi, and that kind of bridges into our our next topic, um, oh, which which I just want to say, Greg, that's why you're usually not invited. We we stay away from controversy, and you just immediately go run to controversy by bringing up Pelosi. So thanks for that. Yes. Oh, so Jeff and I were uh, pre-discussing and thinking about um, this idea of age limits. You know, we're seeing this in our, our presidential uh, campaign right now that we have. We have two older gentlemen, um, and uh, we won't get too controversial here, but one of them, uh, you know, a few weeks ago mistook Nancy Pelosi for um, – for uh, for the governor of former governor of South Carolina in his administration, and then um, uh, Trump has also, or I'm sorry, Biden has also forgotten that you know when he was VP, uh, uh, according to a report recently, and some things like that, and so hey, it brings up. Hey, I just I want to say something here. I'm sorry. And I, you know, politically, is it worse to forget when you were VP or forget who you're running against? Like, nope, neither one of them are great. And I'm not defending anybody. But Chris, I think you're very familiar with a time a few years ago when, when I forgot what hotel I was staying in. And yeah, so we're both in Atlanta. Chris says, Hey, I'm staying in such and such hotel. I said, oh, cool, man. I'll just ride with you. And then after we have dinner, you can just take me back to my hotel. So we did. We had dinner. We went back to the hotel. Chris went up to his room. I raised a ruckus because I couldn't get into my room. Um, my roommate wouldn't answer the door. Uh, I went back down to the front desk. I was pretty mad at them because my key wouldn't work. And about 10 minutes into my rant, I realized I was at the wrong hotel. And I had to wake you up, Chris. You had to go take me to an the other hotel. So I'm just yeah. saying that I can, the only, yeah. I can relate to forgetting important things like where are you staying? So, yeah. And you were a fairly young man at the time. That was several years ago. So yeah, I was, you guys ever, you guys ever seniority. forget what room you're in? Oh, have, every time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What kind of car you take a picture. Yeah. yeah. I, I forget the car I'm driving. If it's a rental, I go out and I just yep. start hitting the button to see which one lights up so many I, times. I was at a large church in suburban Chicago that used to be a destination for conferences. And I went to a mall and for something, I don't know why I went to a big mall there, came out. The security guard rode me around and around the parking lot for about 30 minutes looking for my car. I didn't remember what color it was, what kind it was, where I had parked it. Finally, he threw me off the cart. And about an hour later, I found my cart. So forgetting things, I understand it happens. It's a pretty normal thing. But that aside, um, the question is, should there be age limits? We have one on the younger side. We have, what is it, 35? You have to be before you can even run for president. So you don't have some goofball that doesn't know what life is yet. And But should there be a term or an age limit on the other side? And not just for presidential, but also for pastors. Because, you know, is is there a point where um, a, a pastor may start declining and um, should probably pass the baton? So I'll throw that out to you, uh, Greg. You have passed the baton. So did you get to a point where you forgot, you know, where you lived and things like that. And that's why you decided to pass it on to Josh. <laughs> you or know, was there another reason? You know, I have a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, number one, I'm not sure about, um, on one side, I'm not sure about age limits uh, being legislated because I think that everybody has a vote uh, both in the church and out of the church, even if there's not a an official voting thing. People vote with their feet, their wallets, all of that, that type thing. So I think it all takes care of itself ultimately. <clears throat> that being said, um, in the Old Testament, there was an age limit on priests who could serve uh, with the tabernacle, uh, in a sense. Um, I think that the age was like 25 to 50. I believe we're 
the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then David lowered it, I think, to 20 to 50. And so you had a 30-year span that you could do the, the, the uh, intense stuff uh, in the tabernacle era, which in, involved carrying the tent around and all that kind of thing. Uh, so there were age limits then. Uh, but they didn't just throw them out. They just changed their focus uh, of what they were doing. They, Instead of doing the heavy lifting, they assisted those who did the heavy lifting, the, the younger ones. And I, I think there's a good principle there. Um, and it's different for everybody. And, you know, one size doesn't fit all just because I did it when I did it. Doesn't mean everybody has to. But I began to sense a um, that the heavy lifting was was getting heavy for me in uh, just a lot of different areas, and I didn't want to get out of the game. But I uh, I saw a place for me that didn't involve uh, as as intense a, of uh, activity as what, what was there before. So we had talked a lot about that, but that's just my general general thought on that. Yeah, I think. You know, on the surface, this idea of age limits, whether it's politician, pastor, on the surface, it like it logic logically makes sense. Yeah, okay, let's draw a line. Like the bottom line is thirty five or whatever. The top line is whatever age that we choose, and that's an easy easy way to say it. I was just looking. I saw something about this this week. Warren Buffett's ninety three years old. Warren Buffett uh, still runs the largest, as far as I know, the largest investment group in the world. And runs it hands on. And if you see him interviewed or whatever, this guy kind of wish he was running for president. Like this guy is on top of it. So this simplistic. And again, it, honestly, for me, it goes back to what we talked about before with the he gets us stuff, this simplistic view of good versus you're either on my side and you're good or you're not on my side. And you're bad. And this person is totally disqualified because we saw this thing happen. I just and I'm not saying you're never disqualified, but I think we too often just take this the simplistic view of of one, I'm the arbitrary judge of when someone else should be done. And two, there's this limit that I could draw. I, I, I'm with you, Greg. I, I think one of the things you're doing, I think this week, if I'm, if I'm right, is I think there's what you guys kind of, I don't know if officially you call it, but it kind of offhand call the, the old guys retreat at the we're, old dude summit. Old dude, old dude summit. Old dude summit. We're a bunch, bunch of us that are. I've been invited. I'm way too young for it, but you know you've, you've let been me. to it. Yeah, I've been. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I think for guys to be involved in groups like that, where other guys can speak into them and say, "Dude, what? Why are you still doing that? Why are you still leaning into that?" Or, "Man, no, you need to stay engaged." I, I don't know about you, Greg or Chris. I'm not always the best gauge of my capacity, my capacity and my, my ability to do, you know, in my head, I, we're all three Surratt's. A Surratt can do anything. We could do brain surgery. Just give us a scalpel. We could go <laughs> in our own minds. Right. So I, I, to me, it's unbelievably important for me to have, and I don't mean this in a sexist way, but for me, it's men to lean in and to other men helping me see me, and, yeah. and to know when is it time for me to shift gears? When is it time? Not just in, you know, I'm not a lead pastor, but in a lot of areas of life, am I hanging on to a baton that is keeping younger leaders from being able to do what they are equipped to do? And am I holding it back? Because I just don't have that capacity anymore. Yeah. That's the angle I wanted to go with next on that. It's not just, um, mental abilities or anything like that. But a few years ago, a phrase that became big was okay, boomer. And it came from the millennials. And, and really the, the thing was, Hey, you're, you're just staying in our way. We are not able to advance in, in our career. We're not able to buy the homes we want uh, because you guys are just, just in the way you're hanging on. You don't have new ideas. You're just there. So at what point do we look at it and say, you know, we're just in the way. Um, you know, what, who are the next Rick Warrens and, uh, he just passed away, but Henry Blackaby's and, and even, uh, you know, Greg Laurie's the pastor I work with, um, are we enabling them to do enough 
or are we, and I put myself in this, I'm, I'm 51 now. Um, at what point do we go? I'm just, I'm just in the way. And like Greg said, I need to, you know, support the heavy lifting, but no longer do the, the heavy lifting and not just because I can't do it anymore, but it's time for somebody else younger to do it. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, I react a little bit to the scenario, uh, that you just gave, um, uh, a kind of a victim mentality that you're standing in the way of my success. So long as there's that, I, th- that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, but I think there's, um, there's, there's power in recognizing your own limitations. I agree with Jeff. But last time we were together, I think I talked about, or we talked about the fact that you need to be at a table uh, with a group of people who love you, are not impressed with you, and will tell you the truth. And there's, yeah, you know, the higher you go up on the food chain, uh, fewer and few, fewer people do that. And that it, thus, we have what we have politically today, and sometimes, you know, church wise or whatever, uh, because the higher we go, we don't get people that tell us the truth because they all work for us, or they're, we're, we're all indebted, they're all indebted to us for something whether that's politically or and and that's not even talking about american politics there's politics and everything Um, so the point i'm making is that the higher you go on the food chain the less uh accurate feedback you're going to get but there is a payoff uh to um uh investing in the next generation uh, for, for for instance, Seacoast, here's one payoff, is when we started the church, and you guys were there shortly after we started. I can't remember how long we'd been going when when uh, both of you came, but you guys were there fairly early on. About seven and, years uh, for me. Seven years, yeah. And I don't know, I, I remember the first gray-headed person that came to the church. We were so excited. And I, <clears throat> it was Vern Jensen is who it was. And uh, Vern went to be with the Lord. He became one of our pastors and he was, he was on staff till he was 80, but uh, him and Migsy came to our church and they're the first people with gray hair. And we were so excited because we were all so young and uh, we probably thought gray hair represented uh, people who actually had resources too. And, and uh, you know, there's, so there, there was some of that, but um, as we got older, I would look out and I would see mostly gray hair. And, um, there came a point for me, uh, where, um, that became an issue for me. I thought what will happen is this, this church will age out as I age out and whether it's a good goal or not, I'd love to see Seacoast be a prevailing church for multiple generations. And the only way that can happen is if we are allowing multiple generations to have a seat at the table uh, in leadership. And the payoff has been that, uh, I walk around the foyers these days and you got old dudes like me, but you've got lots and lots and lots and lots of younger folks that, uh, probably wouldn't be there had I continued to, um, and, and what's cool about it is they honor me, uh, and I honor them, which I think is something that's missing in our culture. But um, I get the payoff of, hey, they think I'm awesome. I'm the cool. In fact, somebody told me this week, they said, you're the cool old grandpa. And that's awesome. I love that. Uh, they wouldn't come. Yeah, well, whatever. But the, the, so there's been a payoff for the church getting younger and honoring those that uh, are, are older uh, because we all have a, p- a place at the table. Yeah, I love that. I, I wanted to ask something real quick. Um, there's something going on at Seacoast. I wanted to ask you about, Greg. I, 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 you had mentioned something this week, and I wanted to follow up. But before I did that, Greg, <coughs> you and I are both baby boomers. I mean, we're on the opposite ends of the baby boom. Like, you're on the oh, don't kid old yourself. end, and I'm on the very— Don't kid yourself. And, Chris, you mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the millennials. Um, what, what generation are you a part of, Chris? I'm the oh. one that uh, nobody talks about the generation X. Oh. Is that we even just, really, is that even really a generation? Like it, we just, we're just watching the world burn. You know, you're kind of like a cow's opinion. It just doesn't matter. It's a, it's, moot, moot. it's, it's a moo. It's a moo point. Ooh. It's a moot point. That, that for you, Greg, that was a gen 
X reference to their favorite show, Friends, because they they felt seen when they watched oh, Friends. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, so awesome. So all the Gen X now feel seen because we quoted their story. So hey, anyway, all right. So Seacoast is doing something that honestly, let's just be honest. When you said, "Hey, this is happening," I said, "No, it's." I thought to myself, "No, it's not. It's illegal. It's not possible. It's not happening." And then I did some research and I found out. Yeah, it's not illegal and it is happening. <laughs> it's one of the more phenomenal things I've heard recently. Tell us a little bit about this uh, streaming live into prisons. And I know a lot of churches are doing really cool stuff in prison, not trying to say that's not happening. But tell tell me a little, tell us a little bit about this, this live stream thing going on. Yeah. Can I back up just a minute yeah. and give the impetus for it? Um, we were going to do, we're, we do a series of messages and we have a different speaker every week. And uh, I speak about every six weeks, something like that. And, and uh, they said, we want you to talk about the church. This was not too long after COVID. And, uh, you know, uh, give us a great definition that, you know, the need to gather and all that kind of, but they said, you need to know this. We have changed how we define ourselves. Uh, while I was lead pastor there, you were there, Jeff, you were a part of all of this. Uh, Chris also, um, we were one church, many campuses, right? And so we would define ourselves as meeting in many different places, but we're one church. They said, that's no longer our definition. We are now a global digital church that meets online and in multiple locations, making the emphasis on global digital and less emphasis on the, the brick and mortar, although it's important. So that's the framework we're in. So with that in mind, they began to look, all right, if, if, uh, if digital is a big piece of what we do, how can we reach out more digitally? And I don't know all the details about how it happened, but I found out this week that we are uh, broadcasting in prisons all over America and um, – that in the last two and a half months, I believe it is, since we started doing that, uh, we have had uh, over 99,000 views. But this is the thing that blew my mind, is there are 66,000, two-thirds of the views watch the whole service. Wow. Wow. And... And what that has generated on our end is Josh, uh, the reason I saw it is uh, Josh, my son, preached this weekend. He used it as an illustration. He brought up a stack of letters that was, you know, two or three inches thick. And I know I got one the other day just out of the blue, but from prisoners um, that uh, has been generated in the last two and a half months. But 66,000 watched the entire service. So. Well, I'll just stop there and you guys can get the sew on that. But well, anyway. Well, you were just, you were explaining to me because I couldn't figure out how it worked. Like I know prisoners can watch a TV in a common room, but how are they streaming? And you're explaining to me, there's a new program and I read a little bit about it where prisoners can check out iPads. They're very, very locked down, but there is a, um, it's a platform. It sounds kind of like a Hulu or a Netflix or whatever, just for right. the prisoners. And Seacoast has a channel on that. And so they're able to stream it. And you also said like this channel tracks everything. So you have stats on, on the prison they're in and all that. That's amazing. Like, and and then we, you and I talked just for a second, but the, the discipleship implications of that are incredible to me. Yeah. They're huge. You've got, and so that's the next step. So we discover that there is a, I hate to use it, Captive audience, all right. Uh, you know, everybody, everybody just about live streams their services and all of that. And you know, you can claim all kinds of numbers by the three second views um, that Facebook measures or you know YouTube or whatever that you use. But uh, nowhere, nowhere do you get two thirds of an audience that sits through the whole thing. So that's a prime audience that you need to look at, and then. Um, uh, I don't remember the number. I'm thinking three or four. You have three or four segments you can do um, during the week, I believe. 
And so we've got to take a look at, all right, how do we, how do we do discipleship? And with such an opportunity as that, you've got hungry people with a lot of time and uh, with a lot of reason uh, for the gospel to make an impact in their lives. How can we maximize that? And so that's kind of the next thinking. I don't have answers to it, but yeah. I get excited thinking about it. That's phenomenal. I love it. We, uh, the church I was at in, in Nashville did uh, God Behind Bars, which you're probably familiar with, where you go in and do an actual service. You stream the message, but you have a pastor there and, and do some worship. And I love that model, but I didn't even know this existed about the iPads, but it's this. It's almost like when multi-site first came along. Okay. How can we multiply uh, what we're doing and do it quickly? And this seems like it's the prison answer to that is do it through, uh, through streaming through an iPad where you don't even have to have a service. So they're, they're, they're watching it. So I, I, I would love to dive into some of the discipleship possibilities after that because I think it's incredible. Well, see, going back to our previous conversation and tying it to this. One thing that I tell young pastors is that um, I I really believe that there are going to be some young pastors who disrupt the system. That's what we did with multi-site. It's part of what we did with church planting was disrupt the system. Multi-site was the system said you've got a church on this street corner and you do as much ministry as the building will hold and then you've got one service, some people think that's all you ought to do, but that limits the capacity or two services or four services. And all of a sudden we thought, hmm, why does it have to be in one location? There will be some people that say that was a horrible, horrible decision and that's okay. I think it disrupted the system. And I could talk about several ways that that um, the system was disrupted. I think it's in prime need right now of being disrupted. Doesn't mean everything's going to change because uh, not everybody's multi-site and that's fine. But I believe that uh, there, there are going to be some next generation pastors who are going to disrupt the system. Uh, I'm probably not going to like it. Uh, but, and we may have talked about this last time. I don't remember because I'm old, but this prison thing is part of that. And uh, I think, I, I just think it's cool. I wish it was my idea, but it wasn't. I just found out about it after we started doing it. I, yeah, I, I love it. And, and Hey, if you're, you know, a church and you're interested in that, you know, do some research, figure it out. Like there's no monopoly on it, but the point to me is bigger is exactly what you're saying is just figuring out innovative ways to do things in a completely different thing. And, and, you know, I was there early days, multi-site, we, we made a lot of mistakes. We know that. But one of the things that as you're talking, I think that we did right. We didn't do multi-site because we thought everyone else was doing church wrong. We didn't look Mm -hmm. around and go, Oh, these guys, if they just would do it our way at all, we looked at a need. Honestly, we couldn't think of anything else to do. And so we just started doing it and we didn't, really know how to do it. We didn't know how to do it no. for years. Um, and that's why we did a lot we have of things. Lots of, we have lots of fun stories, mostly you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, well, Bloody yeah. Wednesday. Anybody yeah. remember Bloody yeah, Wednesday? Bloody Wednesday. Right. Yeah. The, the, how about the, the time that uh, I was speaking and my lips froze on one side yeah. of the screen? Oh, thumbprint. And, uh, thumbprint. Yep. Yeah. 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 I, thumbprint. Uh, I wrote a book one time called 10 Stupid Things to Keep Your Church from Growing, and it was all about yeah. stupid things I had done. So I'm there. Yeah. I love that. Hey, Greg, um, I know you're much more important than Chris and I, so I'm sure you have things to do, places to go. You had said early on that you were you're really hurt that we had started this podcast, called it the Surratt Brothers, didn't include you. I assume, yeah. you know, from here forward, you're in. Like, you're here every week, and you're committed to this podcast, so we're excited about that. No, I don't want to do that. No. I, I, here's what I want to do is I want to just pop in when I feel like it. Yeah. How's that? That's kind of like, do that? no, we totally get that. Chris, remember that's kind of how he led when we were at Seacoast. Basically. Yeah. Oh, we, did a, the, we did the heavy lifting and he supported oh, even when he was the was lead guy. Such a good burn. Thanks for setting that up. Yeah. Well, Greg, thanks for just taking a minute of your valuable, valuable time and being with us. And we're going to, we're going to let you go. We're going to, in fact, we're going to turn, right. turn off your mic. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks. 
Well, Chris, you know, it was as good as it could be with Greg, but we're, we're yeah, glad it came. You know, he feels better. So that's a good thing. I feel good about that. Hey, um, I know we're about out of time, but should we start having like regular features? I had an idea for a regular feature. Like what if we Before. did like, like a stupid news story of the week? Love it. What do you got? <laughs> I saw one today. I absolutely love this. Um, Two different Waymo. Do you know what Waymo is? Have you followed the, that? Isn't the Google automated car? Yeah, it's a self, car. self-driving yeah. cars. Yeah, and they have them in what San Francisco and they have them in Phoenix and I don't know, one other place, I think. So <laughs> in Phoenix, in the same day, two different Waymo cars ran into the same truck being towed. So, <laughs> so a Waymo car runs into this truck. Truck driver stops, gets our tow truck driver gets up, you know, and there's nobody to yell at because there's nobody in the car. It gets back in the tow truck, drives further down the road, and another driverless car slams into him. I'm just like, I, I just have a picture of, of this tow truck driver getting out like, come on. You gotta be kidding. Oh, man. So who do you get mad at the right, you, know, you, right. you can't drag the driver out and oh. beat him up? Oh, well, that goes to the other stupid story of the week. I, I saw the one where they threw rocks through a window. In San Francisco, they attack a Waymo car, break its windows, and then set it on fire. And I'm just thinking, that's gotta be the most meaningless thing. You just beat up a a a machine. Like anyway. That'll show them. You know, and let's get to the serious stuff. This proves that evolution isn't true. Because if evolution were true, we'd be getting smarter. And we clearly aren't. <laughs> we're building self-driving cars that run into... To- okay, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I got for this week. You're saying like we can't we can't uh, compare to was it, the Apollo 13 uh, that oh, was running off exactly. the same... Like a, a, what we would consider a, a smartwatch at this point. And they were able to rebuild it in space and fly it back without any oxygen. And, uh, and that's... That's probably as smart as we got. And then it went have, downhill. Oh, yeah. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? We still don't know how to get back to the moon. Like, we still, yeah. we are dumber than we were in the 1960s. And the last we, time we were on the moon was 1971, I believe. 1971. Yeah. Yep. And 50 yep. years later, we, we don't know how we got there. Oh, but Greg mentioned earlier, we never went. It wasn't real. Like, True. you know what's beautiful? We just wrapped the podcast. Like, isn't it? I love a comedian who starts like with a story and then does his whole routine mm-hmm. and then it all wraps back. We just did that with the podcast. We're back it's to the classic beginning. Seinfeld episode. Yeah. Everything comes back and it, exactly. it all ties together. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we should wrap it up, Jeff. Yeah. Um, you know, we are now everywhere. Uh, we have told people that we exist. And so thanks for uh, tuning in. Please follow us. The easiest thing you can do is just follow and it shows up on your uh, playlist every week. Uh, and then, uh, if you want to, if you want to subscribe, if you want to, uh, tell us we're doing a good job, that would be awesome. So like, and comment that helps people, more people see the content every week. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, Jeff, but it is a thing. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure growing audience should be a, should be, should, should be a goal, but Hey, we're appreciative to those of you who are with us. We, we love it. Yeah. And let's change the link next time. So Greg can't find us. Yeah, no, we'll see. It's kind of fun having him drop by because we get to mock him after he's gone. It's kind of like after, kind of like after he moved out. Same thing. (laughs) We'll see you next week.